Next Chapter Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sup, party people? Before we jump into this podcast, I want to let you know that the 500 is a next chapter podcast. What does that mean? Well, we are now a part of the family of very cool podcasts that you've been hearing me talk about, like Play On, which takes Shakespeare and reimagines it into different times and places, like the Golden Age of Radio for its translation of Twelfth Night, starring Amy Brenneman. Midnight Public Radio, the weirdo sketch comedy parody of NPR you need to hear. And if you love sports, you cannot miss the Rex Chapman Show with guests like Jerry Stackhouse, Shaq, and Steph Curry. So give their other shows a listen. And of course, you can also check out all the new music, album history, and bonus content for the 500 at nextchapterpodcast.com. That is ncpodcast.com. Why don't you go ahead and follow the next chapter on all social media at NC Podcast. Once again, that's at NC, as in cat, podcast. Dig it. Back to the show. The 500. The 500. Jim been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The king of these for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man Jim On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end. Told me, baby, one more time. Don't make me sit all alone. Cry while it's over. No, but I can't let go. You're listening to Can't Let Go. It's by Lucinda Williams from her 1998 record, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. And it's number 305 out of 500. What's up, everybody? It's the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. I'm having fun today. It's a good day. Why? Because so much is going on. Uh, My social media, I've been investing into it. I've got the reels out, the man on the street stuff. A lot of cool things going on with me. I'm working on a few new projects. So guys, follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media for the big announcements. 
and uh, and and grow with me, man. Stand ups, rocking and rolling. I, I just couldn't be happier. And and to be doing this podcast with all y'all, man, it just means the world to me. So, are you subscribed to the Patreon? We need your money because there's 15 employees on this show, and they all get paid. Uh, so go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. If you listen to the show and you don't pay, you are a kishlunky. $5 gets you a hoodie, gets you a t-shirt. It also gets you to ask questions to the guest. You want to do that. Come on, man. Give the, give the, give the party chip into the keg guys chip into the keg. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. All right. Lucinda Williams, I didn't know anything about her, and uh, I said it at the beginning, or maybe I didn't, but I said it on the last intro. I was like, ah, I don't want to listen to this record, and uh, a fan of Lucinda Williams said, she's a national treasure, you twat, and uh, yeah, a little, little intense, but my guest today is a living legend, and I am so honored to have her on, the one and only Ann Wilson. Uh, she is lead singer and songwriter for uh, the band Heart. Eight times platinum, 35 million plus records, soul, uh, being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's got a brand new record out called Fierce Bliss. Uh, and this was just a lot of fun. Really, really down to earth. And uh, if you haven't heard her sing Stairway to Heaven uh, in front of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant and John Paul Jones at the Kennedy Center, stop the podcast, put it on, then, then re-watch or listen to this, however you get it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free on all platforms. Uh, follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. A lot of great clips up there, guys. Support, like, share. Uh, JoshAdamMyers.com for tickets. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Here we go. Ann Wilson from Heart talking about Lucinda Williams, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. Enjoy. Uh, please excuse my look right now. It's 99 degrees in my apartment <laughs> in New York City. So, and I've been dealing with, uh, my dog has a skin rash. So uh, $1,500 later, we still have no idea what it is. Uh, that's, that's great. My my dog is going through the same thing. No way. Does your insurance consider it a pre-existing condition too and won't cover it? <laughs> I, I haven't gotten that far yet. They're just to the point where they're going to have a, uh, a the allergy test. Yeah, I, we just did a, we just did a, yeah, we just did a skin scrape, uh, but she's fine. Hi, um, that's yeah, she's the best. She's kind of like our, our mascot. One, so thank you for joining us on this uh, this journey. You you're getting ready to go on tour, right? Yeah, yeah, we we've already been on tour, but COVID keeps, you know, knocking us off the road. And right yeah. now we're all healthy, so we're going to go try again. <laughs> good, good. You need to be out there because one, I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan of your music. It's so cool. I get so wrapped up in doing the albums that are on this list, uh, and then sometimes it's like we're getting a guest that you know I'm familiar with and I love their music, and it's like. My battle the last week was listening to Lucinda Williams or listening to your music. And uh, I'm not going to lie, your music won every time. Huge, <laughs> huge fan. So so tell us about the tour. Like, tell us about, like, what you're excited about. I know you just mentioned, like, how many times have you started and stopped this tour in the last couple of years? I think it's been about uh, two two big times where we were out and we had some really 
like we did six shows. Six shows seems to be what we can do without somebody uh, falling out with COVID. And uh, uh, we're doing theaters and big clubs with this with this band, which I really like. Cause, oh, that's awesome. But, but I can't help thinking that if people come into a packed club and they don't wear a mask, then, you know, that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So besides that, what is the big difference between touring pre-COVID and now touring post-COVID with, uh, with you guys? Well, I think the big difference is that pre-COVID, you could look down the arc of your whole tour and know that it was all going to happen. Now it's, it's just like you do a show and you don't want the phone to ring and hear that like your drummer has COVID, you know, because I don't believe in subs the way our band is right now. No one is dispensable. It's a small and really vital unit where everybody really counts. And I couldn't just bring in a sub, you know, and have it be as good as I want it to be. So, yeah. So before we dig into Lucinda, I, I want to say, because not only, you know, an incredible voice and an incredible musician, uh, how does it feel to know that you probably influenced Lizzo on playing the flute? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you, like, I, it's just, that's, which is one of my favorite instruments. Because when you're jamming uh, with people and somebody brings out a flute and knows how to like really, like, like just tr the thrash on it. it. It's, it's one of my favorite, you know, it's, it's just the best. So, I mean, do you feel like you might've helped influence that? Well, I don't know about Lizzo. It might've been Ian Anderson. You don't know, you know, but, sure. but uh, I just think that it's a, it's an instrument that, that works really well inside of a poetic rock song. You know, it just really does. It's kind of, it's kind of ironic the way it works because it will add a certain, voice of sort of innocence to it. Um, and of course the flute is also capable. I, I don't know whether I as a pilot am capable, but the flute is capable of doing all kinds of sexy jazzy things, you know, oh, yeah. and sliding around, you know, and uh, so it's a beautiful, beautiful instrument. Very underrated instrument in, in yeah. especially in rock and roll. And I'm glad that you mentioned Ian. Did Have you ever had like, I don't know if you call it like a like a flute jam session or like a flute off with Ian or have you ever jammed no. with him? No, I never had. I I wouldn't presume. I mean, he is classically trained and, yeah. and just, he, he's just like a virtuoso, you know, and I'm not, you know, like I'm a person who started playing flute in fourth grade in the school band and just never stopped, you know, so. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I can play a melody, I can read, and I can improvise, but I wouldn't call myself up to a flute off with Ian Anderson. <laughs> no, no, you're you're pretty good. I love it. I love it. It's one of my. It's like I said. It's one of my favorite instruments. Uh, for some reason, it's very, like you said. It's very sexy. It's beautiful. Um, and, and much like, you know, a, a lot of the music that you guys have put out, it's like you're, it's, it's melodic, it's rock and roll. It's, you know, you guys changed over the time and, and to be able to, to do what you've done. I was just getting off the phone. We used to have a writer named Morty, uh, who worked on the show and, and there's certain albums that I always, or guests that I want to like talk to, uh, before I do it because I'm so busy and it's like, there's only so much information that Adam could give me. Um, and it's like, when you, when you look at the career that you've had, 
it's it's incredible, especially starting in a time when, you know, a female-led rock and roll band, I think there was, what, Fanny before that? And and it's like, yeah. and then, and yeah, which is really funny that, I, that, I, that Morty had brought that up because I play a character on Bill Burr's cartoon, F is for Family on Netflix. And I, I play this radio DJ that's kind of like uh, Wolfman Jack. Uh, if you couldn't tell by my gravelly voice, it's, it's, it's like I, I couldn't play the father figure. It would be the creepiest father figure ever. But um, but uh, I introduced that band and, and I so I started like digging into them and, you know, for for them and, and you, but, but mostly you guys to kind of be at the forefront of that uh, and be, you know, just such talented songwriters and, and rock stars. Um, I, I, I was very curious to see why you wanted to do Lucinda, not saying that you guys are, 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 aren't similar in the songwriting and, and in right. the music, but, but what brought you on here today to, you know, to, to tackle Lucinda Williams album, car wheels on a gravel road, besides it being a great record. Yeah. I just think that it's, it's, it's a masterpiece that kicked off a run of really just amazingly poetic and honest and real records that are right up there with um, some of the uh, my favorite records of all time. And I came to first like Lucinda during the grunge era of in Seattle, where I was living at the time. And she seemed just, it was kind of like a desert to me because all the music coming out of Seattle, not to disparage it, because I know yeah. people, but but um, for me, it was a desert because the lyrics weren't that important. It was all about just fuck you for every reason, you know? Yeah. And then Lucinda came out with actual beautiful poetry, simplicity, authenticity, and great stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that she she was more punk than Americana. Really? You think that? Yeah. Yeah. And especially on that record. And then she kind of just wandered out of any kind of genre, which I always love it when that happens, you know. What what you mean when somebody starts playing outside of the original genre they started with? Yeah. When they're free to just be like a musical nomad and just go where they want, you know. And she she has such a poetic sense, you know, her father being a poet and everything. I imagine it was just in their family. And um, she just knows how to tell a story. And you get this really pure sense of her, real intimate sense of her from the way she sings, which I happen to love because it's so raw and it's so truthful, you know? Well, the, the, not to, not to, to, to stop what you're saying, but because I'm not going to lie, I wasn't, I'd heard the name, but I wasn't very familiar with Lucinda Williams. Right. And I had made a joke I think on the podcast where it's like, I was like making fun of some of the records that I have coming up and how I wasn't excited about listening to them. Cause that's yeah. asked me that and like, and asked me anything. And I said, yeah, I'm not really into the, I'm, you know, I'm curious what Lucinda Williams is, but I'm not really into listening to her. I don't know who she is. And a fan on Twitter, uh, God, if you could pull I've, Adam, I don't know if you remember, cause I think I've talked about it before, but somebody said, somebody wrote to me on Twitter, Lucinda Williams is a goddess. You twat. <laughs> so I obviously she's uh, extremely respected. I mean, um, you know, have, have, have like, so you were familiar with her prior to this record. 
Uh, no, I wasn't. I oh. well, actually, I was familiar with her songs, but not sung by her. Um, I was really familiar with her song "Sweet Old World" on the Emmy Lou Harris Wrecking Ball album, which it, it just made me prick up my ears, you know, because yeah. it's such a great song. Um, but I didn't really hear Lucinda until Car Wheels because I, you know, I've never been that into country and I just had her pegged over there in the whole country world. Um, again, not to disparage country because people love it, but uh, she, you- speaks, she speaks right in your ear, Lucinda does. When you listen to her sing a song, for instance, like uh, Too Cool to Be Forgotten on Car Wheels, it's so personal it, it's it's just like this little person going in and just looking around at this this old blues juke joint you know and just being so thrilled to be there because Robert Johnson used to play there you know it's just so so um, rich in its imagery and the whole album is like a journey through the south you know she goes to Jackson and she goes to uh, Greenville, she goes to Vicksburg, just all these different songs are just like you're taking a car trip through this area. Yeah. It's- no, I, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. This is so just so people, don't, I'm going to catch everybody up on who Lucinda Williams is for if there's people like me, uh, a lot of my listeners. Uh, so Lucinda uh, Williams was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana in 1953. Her father was a poet and literary professor. Her mom was an amateur pianist. Williams started writing music as an early as six years old and learned guitar by the age of 12. She played her first live gig when she was 17 and was doing live shows in Texas by early 20s. She released her first record, Ramblin' on My Mind, in 1979, which was a collection of country and blues covers. One year later, her second album, Happy Woman Blues, was released and was compromised of original material, and it didn't do very well. She moved to L.A. briefly before settling in Nashville, and released her third album in 1988. It was received well critically and is credited with developing the Americana movement. Uh, This album had the popular track Passionate Kisses on it. She releases her fourth record, Sweet Old World, in 1992, which was a follow-up hit to the self-released, to her self-titled release. The positive reviews led to her commercial breakthrough on her next album that we are discussing today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is what 
guys, Adam and, uh, and, 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 and this is what I find very interesting on this. I, there, I'll look at this list sometimes and I'll say, why is this record on the list? And I'll listen mm-hmm. to the record because I didn't get this right away. I put it on for background music as I was kind of going through, you know, stuff in my apartment uh, and walking throughout New York City and, and, and added a good soundtrack to that. Um, when I started doing the research and Adam and hand me over stuff. And like I had said, I was like, why is this album on the list? This record on, this is the 2012 list that we're doing in mm-hmm. um, on the 2020 re-rank. This album jumped 207 spots into the top 100 mm-hmm. into number 98. Uh, while her while her other album, there's another one that's now the self-titled one dropped down to, to 426 to see that. Obviously, this has to be an important record. Yeah. Well, uh, in my opinion, uh, the reason for that is twofold. One of them is that on Car Wheels, I think she found her voice. I think she figured out really who she was. And it was, it's a crossover thing. It isn't like, I'm going to be a country star. I'm going to be Americana. She, she just walked out in the light. And then the other reason is that the zeitgeist was right for her um, in the culture. I mean, she, um, people needed to be refreshed from mm-hmm. all the punk and the, especially from the eighties, you know, oh, and, yeah. uh, and they needed something, real and authentic and the two things went together she was there for it and they were ready for it you know well think about what was popular in 1998 so you know i want to i want to talk about you mentioned the seattle sound i want to ask you about that in a moment but in 1998 we're coming out of the grunge era yeah uh, which i think you know really started its decline in like 96 97 when the popularity was starting to wane and then you're having like new metal and uh, the the pop is is I'm pretty sure Backstreet Boys and In Sync and all of that on the radio, yeah. Uh, and which is which all of that music is also kind of about to end, and we're about to get down to like the Strokes and a different, a, a totally different sound, a more like a, a more uh, CBGB style rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also the beginning of like the the birth of like where Wilco, uh, Yankee Hotel, Foxtrot. Ryan Adams, uh, what, what was known to be called alt country. Would you call this record alt country or would you put it in just like a flat out country record? It's definitely not just a country record. Yeah. It's got moments that are twangy for sure, but it's, it's way more than, you know, guys in jeans doing butt rock, you know, it's, it's so poetic. It, it just rises above the lyrics are what, always hook me the stories yeah and these are not about well i'm just going to get in my truck and drink some beer and you can't touch this you know i mean it's it's about what she sees things that have happened things that yeah. are inside her emotion it's, it's very intimate um so to answer your question i don't think it's a country record it's got moments of being twangy but it's a rock record. I I think it's almost punk myself. Really? Well, you keep yeah. mentioning you keep mentioning. But this is what's funny that uh, that you, you said is that you don't like country music. Now, if, if I didn't like country music either uh, until I started doing this podcast and I started going back and listening to like the outlaw stuff, you know, uh-huh. the Waylon Jennings, the Hank Williams, the yeah. uh, Merle Haggard, and you listen to those lyrics and. 
you know, they're just as raw and as real as something by NWA, you know, where it's like, this is how we grew up. Loretta Lynn is as hardcore as any of the hip hop, any of the punk, excuse me, punk acts that we're talking about being very anti-society or whatever, because they're talking about their upbringing. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. So you, you didn't even vibe with, is it new country you don't vibe with or is old it's country included? Okay, it's cool. Then we're on the same page. All it's right, so, good. it's so self-aware and so commercial and so formulaic. And, uh, I don't, it's not enough to hold me, you know, mm-hmm. no, but, the old traditional, like the old school country stuff, the artists you just mentioned are just the bomb. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the real deal. Yeah, the real deal, for sure. And then you look at the people that played on this record. Um, well, first it was produced. But so you have, all right, so you have Roy Bitten, uh, who, if I'm not mistaken, plays with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, played uh, was a longtime member of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, uh, mm-hmm. piano, organ, synthesizers. You have Steve Earle, who uh, Guitar Town we did on this podcast, which is an incredible record. And yeah. it might be in my top five of the albums that we've done on, on this podcast, which I wasn't expecting and I hadn't heard before. Uh, and then looking at the, tr- the, let me get to the personnel, uh, I mean, you've got Emmy Lou Harris, who she played with uh, Graham Parsons, I think. Uh-huh. Emmy Lou played with Graham. I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping I get any of this right. Steve Earle plays acoustic guitar. We already mentioned him. Charlie uh-huh. Sexton. Uh-huh. I know Charlie Sexton. He played, yeah, he played with, he was with Bob Dylan's backing band. Um, yeah, so this is a collection of just legends you know what this album kind of reminds me of it, it reminds me of um what was the who was the guy the lead singer of the jay giles band uh peter oh, no peter wolf peter wolf peter wolf yeah. we did we did one of his later records on it uh-huh. uh and, and it, this kind of reminded me of the feel where it's like lyrically musically it, it's a very it's a very like not i don't want to call it mature because that doesn't sound right but just a, a very you're you're getting somebody at the top of their game where yeah. they are where they know exactly who they are the music they want to make and then what they do is they just surround themselves with very talented people that that are also at that level or have also already done stuff and it's like let's make uh you know let's really let's really make something special here that's what this record feels like um yeah um i heard rumors and i don't know if this is absolutely true but i heard uh, uh, talk that she went through and did this album more than once she wasn't satisfied with the first the first outcome she went back and did the whole thing again and it took a while to get it just the way she wanted it you know yeah so to go off of what you're saying go off what you're saying this is this is adam's little doodad about this so uh this is released. I just want to get this out of the way. Fifth studio record by Williams released June 30th, 1998 recording sessions for the album began as early as March, 1995, but it was all scrapped. There you go. When Lucinda wasn't happy with her vocal recordings, she's quoted as saying, I was trying to grow. I didn't want to make another sweet old world. Uh, apparently a very large chunk of the album had been done before it was scrapped. A recording session was picked up a later that year, but gained full steam the following summer with a revised approach, uh, recording her parts live uh, with the backing, with the backing back verses individually. Um, 
Oh no, what is this? Is this, hold on for a second. Adam, is this, this record ready in 1997? Is this, this it was ready in 97, but it experienced a delay because there was two record labels. There was a record label dispute. So like there were, it was just delayed because of that, because of typical, you know, record label transition stuff. Ah, the record label. Sorry to take you away from that great conversation, guys, but real quick, I want to tell you about the 10 news from Next Chapter Podcast and Small But Mighty Media. Some of you are parents. Some of you have little nieces and nephews, or some of you have friends with little ones. No matter what, you probably have kids in your life. And the thing about kids is they got a lot of questions, especially with the world the way it is right now. So if you want to help them understand current events in a way that isn't all doom and gloom, the 10 has you covered. It's 10 minutes of news and information that goes beyond the headlines and tries to give kids context for issues going on in the world, along with jokes and trivia. The 10 also features conversations with very interesting guests like author Shannon Messenger, astronaut Terry Vertz, and even Dr. Anthony Fauci. Season two just wrapped, but all summer long, they're airing special episodes of their best bingeable content for those long road trips. So listen to the 10 news wherever you get your podcasts or go to the 10 news.com to learn more. And now back to the show. Have you ever, let me ask you, I know this is a little off topic, but it's kind of what we're talking about. Have you had problems with your record labels? Any single one of them? Yes. Yes. Um, That's, that's just sort of the nature of a, Going to bed with a corporate entity, you know, I mean, the guy who believes in you and signs you and things go fine for a while and then he gets fired and somebody new comes in and they don't get you. So all of a sudden you're there in this corporate situation and they're going, we don't know who you are, you know, so that's happened every single time every time even even when you yeah. in in like when 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 heart is like just churning out hit after hit you're established you're this force of nature like there you're you still have executives that are are trying to change that well they're always looking for the next you yeah and that's the that's the real thing is i've i've heard statements like that about myself, like, yeah, you know, you're real good. We're just looking for the next Dan Wilson, you know? And I go like, Hey, I'm still here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, no, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. Whenever you get involved with, with, have you had, have you had any, have you had any albums or have you had any situations kind of like uh, what Lucinda went through where uh, you started working on a record and it just didn't feel right. And you had to redo it or scrap everything. Uh, not exactly like that. No, because we were like, we've always been primarily a touring entity and the tours always take precedence because so whenever we make a record, we generally have a really tight time schedule to do it in. And, uh, I've always been satisfied with the work we did in the studio. A couple things I'd like to go back and improve on sound wise, because in the eighties, everything was all glossy and everything. You, couldn't really hear what was going on that well. I'd like to go back and take a lot of the gloss off of those, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with them. What album would you say that you're, that when you listen, go back and re-listen to some of your work that you're just like the most proud of, like what, anything that just sticks out? Yeah. I like Baby Lestrange. I thought that we actually got vital 
really vital on that record. And it, it was a time of transition in all our personal lives, you know. So whenever that happens, the songs usually come out of it, you know. When you say transition, what do you mean? Oh, um, relationships breaking up. Yeah. People leaving the band, other people joining. the. You know, it's just a, a big period of change. Yeah. And um, shedding one's skin. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's, but that's also kind of where I think the best art comes from when you, when so you yeah, you, we, as a comic, I was living in LA 14 years and I moved to New York cause I was just getting bored with LA and my whole act changed. And I feel like, Oh, this was, I was uncomfortable and it's big being uncomfortable sometimes puts you in the best position to, to start really reaching for stuff you normally wouldn't be reaching for. Cause when you, when you're setting your ways, you're just like, Oh, okay, well this the train's rolling. But right, when you put that yeah. smoke, um, I want to go back and talk about Seattle because you had mentioned it earlier. So you grew up there. And what I love is you you have been referred to as the godmother of the Seattle music scene. <laughs> Can yeah. you take us through the gen gen the genesis of that relationship? Yeah. Um, all through the 1980s. Well, uh, the so-called grunge scene. They never liked that moniker, by the way. They Seattle Sound. It. Seattle right, Sound, yeah. yeah. Um, that was developing in Seattle, but Hart was on the road. We were in Europe and Japan, and we were everywhere but in Seattle. <laughs> so when we came back in 1990, or 1989, I guess it was, um, it was in full swing. And... I happened to have a house that was centrally located on Capitol Hill in Seattle. And that's where the scene was really located in those days. And um, so it was a natural because the Seattle community was really tight knit uh, musically. And so people would always hang out together and party together and jam and all that stuff. So, so my house became like a meeting place. And I, and also there were things that happened in those years, like certain people would die. Yeah. They'd and so the rest of the scene would need a place to go and just hang out together. And I remember I took all the furniture out of one of the rooms in my house that had a fireplace. And they, uh, they just all came and sat around on the carpet and drank beer and just stared with big owl eyes because a couple of their buddies Buddy. were gone. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, 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 it's, you know, it's unfortunate that that scene law. I mean, we've lost a lot of the important people from it, you know, yeah. starting starting with I mean, and I know there's probably people before Andy from Mother Love Bone. But right. I mean, that it's like that that changed, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that he passes, you know, but to get to something like Pearl Jam. Um, but we had we had Kim Thale on on the podcast uh, talking about super unknown, which was, I mean, just a blessing for me because I'm a huge fan of them and a huge fan of that record. Yeah. Uh, and I know you mentioned, you know, the groups getting together to mourn together. Do you have any, do you have any like more, like, uh, like a more happier story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 not because I'm not interested in it. And I love it. I love that, that you, they were, they, they all went to your house to sit Shiva. You know what I mean? That's it's because that's how you handle death. You get together, you yeah. mourn together, you get it out. So one thing us Jews got right is how to handle death. But yes, I mean, right. 
Yeah, but it's like, but you've got, you know, members of Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, and Pearl Jam hanging out at your house. What, what's one of your favorite stories from, from those situations? One of my favorite stories is one night when that was going on, I, it was not a morning session. It was just a party. Like oh, nice. somebody had played and everybody came up to, to hang out. And uh, um, it, was a, it was summer and Lane Staley and I went out to the pool because he was a diver and he wanted to dive, you know, and it was nighttime. And um, we were out there. I was sitting there watching him swim and dive and everything. And, and uh, he, we both looked up at the same moment and saw this huge shooting star, uh, the kind that looks like a coal, like a red hot coal. And both of us just went, Oh God, did you see that? And um and we kind of bonded over that, you know, and yeah. within a few more months, he was gone. But I just always remember him uh, that night diving into the water, you know, like no clothes, just free. This little white guy lit from within, you know, <laughs> uh, just being all thrilled about this shooting star. Oh, that's great. It's awesome. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Yeah, that is great. Uh, you're quoted saying on Chris Cornell, people say, what... What was it about Chris Cornell's voice that was so amazing? And it was that it didn't have any element of trying to show off or trying to impress or trying to keep up with any particular trend. Uh, right. He was a right. brilliant storyteller and he played it real all the time. Um, you know, what, you know, wh what do you, what do you mean by that? Played it real. It's just, that was just, he had it in him. Yeah. Chris had the it factor that everybody in Hollywood is trying to, say they are finding but chris had it naturally he was 
he sang like whatever he wanted. He sang like Tom Jones or he sang like um, like an R&B singer or he could just do anything. He was super masculine and, and powerful or he could be really vulnerable and tender. You know, I yeah. mean, just, he, he just had it all. He really and did. I always say that singing is just like glorified speaking, right? So if you're, if you really have something you want to say and you sing it, it's, it's cause it's coming straight out of your soul. Yeah. And Chris's soul was, was just wide open, you know? Oh, totally. It's very special. Well, and not to, and not to take anything away from you because you have an incredible voice. And I mean, even hearing some of the covers that, that Hart's done and you've done when you cover a song, which bands or vocalists do you enjoy doing? Um, well, obviously, I've always enjoyed singing Led Zeppelin stuff. Yes, I, um, I did. I, I, well, I was talking to Morty, and it's like he said that almost Led Zeppelin passed the torch to y'all. Do you agree <laughs> with that? I, I, because I, 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 I can see it too. Well, they obviously didn't do it on purpose, but but it, it's just that type of that person's singing. Robert Plant's singing was uh, what taught me how to sing rock. I mean, before. Zeppelin IV came out. Uh, I was in bands, but I was just the chick in the band that sang the ballads, you know, and just kind of banged a tambourine while everybody else sang the rockers. Yeah, yeah. But then um, when we started doing Led Zeppelin songs, none of the guys could sing that high. So it fell to me and it kind of, I kind of had a breakthrough and I could sing loud and high and, and do that and get it, you know, like understand it. Um, uh, at the very beginning, I was really influenced by Elton John, too, um, back in the early days of his career. Uh, yeah. Rod Stewart, um, Aretha Franklin. Yeah. And people's, you know. I I love because I, I I sing, too, and I was in bands and I sing in my act, too. And it's like it's not it's not a way you, you touched on something that that uh, that I say on stage, which is like I'm not singing in my act to impress everybody. It's just who I am. Yeah. And like you hear music and I, I just, it's my, it's, it's, it's part of my, it's part of who I am. It's part of my being. And I, I'm so drawn to like music that I never grew up listening to, which is like Otis Redding and Wilson Pickett and those like soul singers. And yeah. it's just like, I'm not trying to even sound like them. It just comes out. And, yeah. and I was, and, and with my, this live show that I do, I have to, we, we do, I, I created this thing where comics do stand up, then they tell a story about a song and then they sing a cover song with a live band. It's real mm -hmm. rock and roll. It's not, it was a TV, a crappy TV show on Comedy Central. They ruined it. Just like we said, the executives always do. <laughs> but, but it's like, I'm, there are, I was, I'll get wrecked, you know, I'll get asked about like, you know, the song opening, what, what I'm going to do from by the band and what we want to cover. And is there anybody that I'm nervous to cover? And, and, there's not many because I'll make it funny, but that's that's as a comic, that's that. But as a as a real musician, as somebody with an incredible voice, is there anybody that you are you're nervous to cover or you wouldn't because it's like this is just not who? Who, who would you say? I wouldn't cover Beatles songs. Really? Yeah, I've never really heard a female voice cover a Beatles song that I thought was appropriate. Um. I suppose that that kind of stuff is holy to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned. I, you know, I'm, not keep on. Be, uh, I'm not trying to be sexist against my own gender, but but it's it's just uh, 
I don't know, it just, it just doesn't work for me. It makes me feel sort of icky when I hear women sing Beatles songs. I, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of any yeah. Beatles covers that were done by women that, that you know, it's... Yeah. Who have you heard cover Heart that you were, like, pretty impressed with? Uh, well, I haven't heard... I don't make it a um, priority to go listen to really? things like that. But, no. but uh, I think Kelly... Clarkson did a version of Crazy on You one time that was good. Um, I've heard a few people do Barracuda. Yeah. It's it's just, it's like when you really, I, I mean, I just had a lot of fun these last couple of days, like just putting it on, putting on, uh, you know, I don't want to say the name, but my computerized voice that listens all the time when you say, oh. what's you say name? And then it starts playing music for me because I'll <laughs> say it and it'll suddenly turn on. And I just like listening to your music, it, it's, and then having Morty talk about the Led Zeppelin passing of the torch and then watching the cover uh, that you guys did of Stairway to Heaven and which they play on, on Spotify or Amazon music, whatever it is. Uh, mm -hmm. And then watching that video, it's it's like it's just so powerful. It's like it, it's it, it all makes sense that that when you talk about some of the greatest rock bands of all time, that your band is in that discussion because it's just you have, you know, just hit after hit. And then even in the 80s, uh, you know, some of the songs that you did, it's like I love that stuff. Um, how and then I, to see that you know, of course, you guys are inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which this year I finally voted on. Uh, I think I think it was a way that uh, Tom Morello is a buddy of mine. He's done the podcast, and I think he wanted to get Rage into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. So he was like, "I'm recommending Josh to do it," uh, and I voted. They'll get in. We're gonna get him in. I promise you that. How did that feel to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with so many people that you respect? Um, yeah, and you've played with. It was. It was um, thrilling on the night of the induction. It was uh, it was very flattering to be given that award, especially inducted by Chris Cornell, like yeah. we were. And and uh, yeah, I think before when I heard we were going to be inducted, I had the typical rocker thing, like, well, you know, that's is that meaningful to me? When it came time to do it, it was fine. It was meaningful, yeah. and. Uh, one thing is the day before the induction, you get paid like a hundred bucks for your set. And the day after you get paid 500 bucks for your set. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's a big difference right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, all right. Let's, I feel like we're not talking about Lucinda. I could just talk. I have so many questions <laughs> I want to ask you. Uh, all right. Here, let's uh, Adam, what, what are we missing? What's the important stuff about this record? We got to talk about so the fans don't get mad. I think the most important thing about this record when I was doing my research is that yes. the thing that I came across is that it was okay. This made it okay for female musicians in the country world to talk about things that were maybe a little risque prior to that. She kind of brought it to the forefront and kind of broke that barrier for them. Really? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any thoughts on Lucinda with that, that, that saying that Adam just said? Yeah. She, she touches on some really interesting topics like, like uh, being raised in a real, uh, dysfunctional family and poverty in the deep south, like uh, um, suicide. Yeah. She she hits that one. Uh, there's there's some really cool characters in her songs on this record. A lot of them are unusual, and there's there's a 
Pentecostal guy drinking snake venom and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's very down. No, you're right. You're right. This is, you know, this, this lyrically, the storytelling reminds me a lot of some of the Bob Dylan stuff that we've listened to uh, on the podcast. Um, yeah. we, we just and did John, John Wesley Harding. We've done Time Out of Mind. And, I, you know, I, I've I've. I was never a big Bob Dylan fan. And with this podcast, I've started probably the way you shouldn't listen to Bob Dylan, which is start with the later records and then go backwards. Uh, it's just, I feel like it's, you need to hear those early things before yeah. you can. Yeah. Um, and, Dylan, and Dylan himself loved car wheels and a gravel road. He gave it a real smashing review when it first came out. Oh, I can see is, him loving this. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you listen to this record, like and you talked about you've talked about, you know, the characters and stuff like what without saying your favorite track on this album, because I'm going to ask you that later. What are the songs that you're, you're really drawn to on this record? Which ones stick out the most? Well, I like a song called Joy, where she it's almost like like a talking blues thing. Uh, She's just looking for her joy. She's just going to search all these different towns until she finds her joy. Yeah. Like, yeah. where did I lose it? You know, it's it, it, it's really cool. And uh, there's another one called Lake Charles. Um, that's the suicide one. She's she's with a boyfriend. They're sitting on a bridge, and he says to her, "Come on, baby, jump over into the water with me." And she goes, "Nope, nope, that's your death, not mine." And just very interesting situations. Yeah, this one is so Lake Charles actually uh, either it's it's written about the death of Lucinda's former boyfriend Clyde Woodward, who died of cirrhosis long after they had split up. He passed while Williams was en route to California to give him a final goodbye. Yeah, and then you can feel it. It's funny I didn't read that uh, up until now, like and to know that song and then to read that, it's like it's a tough one, and I can imagine yeah. how tough it is for her. To sing live. Speaking of, of of a tough one to sing live, is there any songs that, that are hard for you to sing live that you might have written? Um, you mean because of emotionality or yeah, not because I mean it, voice is one thing. I understand that. It's like it gets like where there's certain stuff we write, or I've heard like I saw yeah. I saw Guns N' Roses recently, and Axel still is hitting those notes, but they're not nearly as strong as they were. And mm -hmm. you can you can tell he's singing way more in his head voice, like mm -hmm. way more, but still great. And he's still, you have to play those hits and, yeah. and it's impressive that he can do it at his age anyway. But, but it's the emotional stuff that I think, you know, over time, it's like, is there anything that over time is really just like, oh man, this is a, this is a hard one. Um, no, I think I can handle them all. Really? Now, well, actually the song Magic Man, I think I've outgrown that because that was about my first love, you know, when I was in my, my early, when I was 20, you know, and it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to hearken back to that now, but, um, you know, I still do the song. I like the groove, the groove of it. Have, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's what I love about your music is if you, if that was put out today, like some of your hits, if they were put out today and they're just put on the radio, I don't think there would be a real loss in like, oh, this is from a certain time. It, yeah. They rock, they rule, they're, they're so much fun. Uh, I mean, what's what do you, would you say is probably the most requested song? I bet it's the one you just mentioned is probably one of your most requested to play that you can't oh, go without yeah. on a show. By heart, it would be Magic Man, Crazy On You. Yeah, Barracuda. Barracuda straight oh. on, Yeah. even it up, yeah. 
Yeah. I, I Man, it's like, are you guys coming to New York anytime soon? Yeah, we are. We're going up there in a, a couple of weeks to play the Capitol Theater. What? We when? just played, we just <laughs> played the... Adam, uh, Adam, look it up because I'm going. Okay. I'm 100% yeah. going. Okay, great, good. You know, I you know I just saw. I don't know if you're a fan of them because uh, I, I this is what I love. It's like I've gotten to a place now financially where it's like, oh, I can just, I just go to shows all the time if I have a night off, and even if it's a band, if I know like one or two songs, I'm like I'm still going. I'm like, oh, I, like I went to go see Midnight Oil, uh-huh. and I used to just think they were this like, yeah, they're one song. I'm gonna go up there and watch the dude like squiggly dance to Beds Are yeah. Burning, and they rule. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see you guys live. I know you're, oh man, it's like, does that rules? I'm so excited you're coming to New York. That really rules. Great. Cool. Okay. Sorry. I mean, I, I just fanboyed out a little bit. I apologize. No, no, no. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Sorry. Where are we? 46 in. All right. Let's get to, all right. So I, I just have one more question. So being a, being a pioneer for women in the music industry, what sort of di- difficulties did you and Nancy face coming up that people would shake their heads at now? Oh, I think that the main um, obstacle that Nancy and I both faced in the early days was just credibility. Those yeah. were times when when women were not considered uh, uh, native to the rock world. Um, rock had been developed by men to get chicks, right? Back in those days. Yeah. Uh, so if if you're a woman and you come in and you go, no, it's me. I'm doing this. It was looked on with a lot of uh, suspicion. Yeah. And that's that's a big obstacle. No, I can imagine. Yeah. I, I could imagine what that's like. I mean, I, what was it? What was like? Was is there any roadblocks that you really faced that you guys were like, Jesus Christ, like we're 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 ripping harder than most of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the the uh, inequality uh, of the s- sexes that existed then. Yeah, it's just gone underground. It's pretty systemic, but um, yeah, I, I I believe that too. It's like you. It's like a lot of the things that people are doing now is just to save face. Yeah, yeah. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, look, you you you've deserved everything that you guys have gotten. I think you are one Thank of the most powerhouse voices in music, and uh, I'm so happy that we brought you on here today to talk about this record. And we got to, and then I got to find out that Hart's going to be in New York in a couple of weeks. Who's coming with me, everybody? Lekka. Yeah. Let me see the dog over there. There she is. There's Lekka cleaning her cleaning her butt. Huh? What's what's her name again? It's it's Lekka L E K K A. I don't know if you ever watched Lekka. Yeah, it's. Did you do you remember Pee Wee's Playhouse, the the children's show? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was so he had a genie named Jombi who used to grant wishes by saying Mecca Lekka High, Mecca Heine Ho. Uh, and I, I was like high in Amsterdam back in '97 with my buddy, and we just started saying that that sentence. We'd point at something and go Mecca Lekka, and then it just became Lekka. And then I had given her another name. And then the night I had gotten her, uh, I'd already gone into it with the intention to name her Beck. And then that night I was with her and I just looked at her and I just went, Lekka. And then she like looked up at me and I go, oh, that's your name. And now I call her, I call her Lekka Dog because. Uh, Lekka Dog. Like, yeah, Lekka Dog. Yo, you did it just like me. That rules. <laughs> Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. All right, let's do some Patreon questions and then we'll do our, our final questions and we'll get you out of here. Okay, so we have some really great listeners. One of them is, is my buddy Mark from Toronto. I think he's from Toronto. He came to see me in Toronto and he had a foot injury, so I'm hoping his foot is better. That, that was also three years ago. So if his foot's not better, man, that sucks. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite memories or experiences during your many collaborative partnerships outside of the band Heart? Uh, and some of that he says comes to mind for him are your work with Mike Reno of Loverboy, Robin Zander of Cheap Trick and performing for like we talked about Led Zeppelin at the Kennedy Center uh, or at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then, of course, Chris Cornell's tribute a couple years ago. What, what, what are the what are some of your favorite memories or experiences? Well, uh, a couple of the people that I have just collaborated with recently are Kenny Wayne Shepherd, um, who We've had is him on amazing he's done the uh, podcast he did he did yeah. uh who'd he do he did uh muddy waters nice uh yeah. who else i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off um kenny wayne shepherd and warren haynes both played on my new album fierce bliss and both of them are just astounding guitar players in different ways and uh it was really really great to work with kenny wayne too you know because i he just blew my head off we do a cover of the song bridge of size um, by uh, Robin Trower mm-hmm. on the record, and he just nailed it. Um, see who else? Um, I have a recording of Chris Cornell singing with me and Nancy on uh, Wild, the song "Wild Horses of the Stones." Oh wow, that was amazing. Um, Doyle Bramhall the second. I've done a bunch of stuff with him. Sister Morphine by the Rolling Stones. Oh, God. <laughs> Just name a great song after great song. I'm like, oh, God, I wish I was just a fly on the wall to hear you guys right. do that. You know, one of my one of my favorite covers is is by a Chris Cornell song, um, which uh, is after he passed away, the theater that he had performed at last, which I think was the Fox Theater in Detroit. Um, four nights later. Uh, Nora Jones, the the pianist, had played there, and she covered "Black Hole Sun." And oh. during the pandemic, I've talked about this before in the podcast, but one of my first days out was I went to Hollywood Forever Cemetery with Lecka Dog, and I'd never been there. And I went by his grave, and I just had the good headphones, and I just sat there and listened to some of his music, and I cried, and then I listened to that cover, and it's just just so uh-huh. powerful it's like yeah. to hear her do it it's and 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 i mean and she gives it all the respect that that song deserves and you you forget yeah. like when you strip down the electric guitars and the drums it's it's just a beautiful beautiful song yeah, yeah. um uh, i used to give these big halloween parties when i lived in seattle at my house and uh one one year the theme was come as a song Ooh. and chris and Chris Cornell showed up as Black Hole Sun, and he was extremely <laughs> tall. He was wearing like these platforms, and he had on this full orange jumpsuit with a great big paper mache orange headdress. 
And then his face was blacked out. So he was Black Hole Sun. And uh, it was great. Who did you go as? I can't remember. I think I might have gone as respect to that year. Okay. All right. How how did you do that? How did you... How do you, how does I that have to be in costume? Yeah. <laughs> I, I went as Aretha. <laughs> oh, okay. You went, you went as Aretha. I thought you had to yeah. go as the song title. So I well, get it. I get it. I get it. I was like, was I was trying to be loose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you're like, yeah, my party, I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. We got another question from Mark from Patreon. Lucinda worked on this record for nearly three years. Some fans thought this was because of her perfectionism, but a New York Times magazine article came out that disparaged her as a stubborn and incompetent, even calling her a bowl of cornflakes. Now the record is considered to be her masterpiece. How do you as an artist turn off the negativity of the media or the pressures to meet arbitrary deadlines when you're trying to create? Well, you just have to make yourself do it. You have to, my thing is working from the inside out, not looking at what I think people might want to hear from the outside Um, or, oh no, I better not do that because the critic might disparage it, you know? No, it's working only from the inside out and shutting out the voices of critics and um, not listening to your brain say, what if, uh, just, all those forces have to be left at the door when you go to write a song or record. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Don't uh, pay no, say it again. Say it again because you got cut off. Say don't, it again. You just don't pay attention. Rock and roll. Don't pay attention. Yeah. All right. And this, we have one last Patreon question. This one's from Eric. Uh, do we have a last name on Eric, Adam? Oh, that's more of a statement than a question, but it's okay. Yeah, go for it. He goes, I discovered this record because of Tom Petty. I was listening to Tom Petty radio in early 2016 and Tom played. I lost it on his show. I had never heard anything like it before. So I looked up Lucinda's music. So I naturally listened to the car wheels record. It hooked me so fast. Her voice, her lyrics, her swagger, it all just grabbed me and pulled me in. I saw her in Houston at a club with about 300 people later that year, and her stage presence in her band blew me away. Saw her again on the Car Wheels 20th anniversary tour, and again, she was incredible. Her stories about the songs and hearing the way she played them 20 years later just gave them an entirely new meaning. All that to say is Lucinda is one of my favorite artists of all time. This record, one of my favorite records of all time. And I'm so thankful Tom Petty had impeccable taste in roots. Yeah. Yeah. She, she has, she's written so many songs for other people. I don't know if, if I lost, it was written for Tom Petty, but her songs are just eminently coverable. And uh, in fact, one time I went to see her in Seattle at the Paramount and we were saying hi afterward. And she asked what we were doing. And I said, well, I'm songwriting, get ready for a record. And she said, Oh, you should just sing my songs. You know, (laughs) she's got a backlog of them that she's happy to um, share. No, I love that. And and, and much like Eric, it's I never would have listened to this record if it wasn't for this podcast. And and I'm glad, I mean, you know, is it one of my favorites? No, but it's like to be able to, you know, really feel an artist expressing their soul. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like you get that from this and you're getting her in just like, I I get it. I mean, I I get Lucinda. I get why that guy called me a dumb twat now. Does that make (laughs) sense? Um, All right. Final questions. I ask every guest this. uh, And thank you so much for coming on. Um, So 
it's really it's it's really a treat. Okay, uh, I asked every guest these questions. I'm not changing them now. All right, favorite song on this record? What's your favorite? Mm, boy, I think it's Joy. Joy, I yeah. I love no, not taking it in the way. I love Joy. I really dug. I lost it too. So much like yeah, Aaron, yeah, that's a good song. Great song. All right, uh, what song on this record do you skip over? Is there anything that you skip over? You got what? It's, it could be because I used to say, what song do you what song do you dislike the most? But that's we start getting these records where it's like, man, this is a perfect album. But there's always one that we're like, all right, let me get to the next one. Um, there isn't one. But if I had to choose one, it would be Concrete and Barbed Wire. Concrete and Barbed Wire. Me too. All right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm asking you this. I ask every guest this. I'm not stopping now. It's a two part question. Is this a fuckable album? Can you put this album on and have sex? And if if you only have to pick one song off of here to have sex to, what are you pulling off for your sex playlist? I would put on, um, I think it's called Right in Time. Me too. The opener, yeah. I think this is a fuckable record. I think you yeah. can fuck, I think you can have sex to it. I think this, totally. listen, you can, have, you can have sex to any album, but- some, you know, like Beatles, Hard Day's Night, not as fun. This this creates a mood. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's so, okay, you got it. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> you, you rule. All right. And this is the last thing. What would be your elevator pitch to, to our audience to make sure they listen to this record? What's the elevator pitch? Check out um, I Can't Let Go. That's the, that's the song that snagged me. And I think that was the big hit off of that that yeah. record at the time. It's it's just got something about it that's so infectious. And uh, whether or not you dig country or Americana, it doesn't matter. It's just about the spirit of this woman. And yeah. uh, it's just honest and simple and uncomplicated and great. It's beautiful. I love it. That's perfect. Uh, and uh, promote away anything you want to promote. I know you just mentioned the new album. Do you want to do you want to talk about it? Like make sure the fans would know what's going on. I know you're on tour, but please promote away. Yeah, um, I'm doing a solo thing and I have been for a couple of years now. And so is my sister. And so I have a new album out called Fierce Bliss and it's been out since April. And um it's it's pretty great. It's getting a lot of good reviews and everything now. So I'm really happy about that. We're going on tour. Uh, the Fierce Bliss is also out on vinyl. It's got cover art by Roger Dean, the guy that did used to do Yes and Asia and all that. It's just a, a, a beautiful fantasy art package that you can check out while you're listening to the vinyl. So, um, yeah, check it out if you want. I, I think you'll like it. Everybody, please check out her music. Go back, listen to Heart, everything that she's done, the the Led Zeppelin covers. It all rules. You rule. Thank you so much for taking time Thank out you. to speak with us today about yeah. Lucinda. Holy Lola, the one and only Ann Wilson. Follow her on all social media at Ann Wilson. Go to her website, annwilson.com for all things Ann. And check out her brand new record, Fierce Bliss. It's out now. All right. 
So for new music, we're going to play something off Ann Wilson's new album, Fierce Bliss. You're listening to the song Missionary Man, and you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And we want you to submit your music so we will play it on the podcast. So send songs to 500podcast at gmail.com and uh, and we'll play it. I don't care if it's good or bad, we will play it. Next week, I'm really excited about this one. With the guest and the album combined, it's perfect. Uh, we're doing Jeff Buckley's Grace. You so dig it. Wrong, Do your homework. But there's just one thing that you gotta understand. You can fool your brother, but don't mess with the missionary man. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. Next Chapter Podcasts.